Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports Station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Happy Memorial Day weekend. We are inside the clubhouse here at Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. I am David Haw, along with Bruce Levine, here with you as we are 52 Saturdays a year talking baseball until 11 o'clock. It has been another fascinating week in Chicago baseball Bruce and people can talk all they want about how the game has gotten boring and it has at times and it drags and this and that you know what we've got two very exciting baseball teams here in the city well let me tell you something David and I will tell all of our valued listeners the same thing here are the unwritten rules of inside the clubhouse (laughs) okay I'd love it when you go unwritten rules on me you just heard them. <laughs> That's it? <laughs> That's it. That, you uh, know what, Bruce, I know you've been in the radio a long time, but that 10 second of dead air, not exactly the best way to get started on a Saturday morning. <laughs> well, people would argue with you and say that's been the highlight of my career. So, Bruce, you've never sounded better. <laughs> uh, welcome to Inside the Clubhouse. As David said, we're here for you 52 weeks out of the year, every Saturday morning from 9 to 11, talking baseball with you, the greatest fans in the world, Chicago baseball fans, and a lot to be happy about if you're a North Side or a South Side fan. David, these are teams that are approaching the one-third mark of the season, believe it or not, which is very close to almost a full season of 2021, (laughs) and they are elite in their divisions, if not in their leagues. There were eight glorious hours this week, Bruce, where both teams were in first place before the Cardinals played the Diamondbacks and beat them, but the Cubs were in a virtual tie for first, and the White Sox have been there for a while now, and here we are, Sox 29-20, and 20, getting ready for the doubleheader today because of the weather yesterday, and the Cubs 28-22, and 22, I think maybe a bigger surprise, the fact that they are where they are 50 games into this season as we reach the Memorial Day weekend, Bruce, and we can start on either side of town, 312 644 
But I got to think, Bruce, one of the biggest surprises of this baseball season, whether it's the White Sox or the Cubs, for the White Sox, maybe it's a guy in your mean Mercedes. For the Cubs, it's a committee. That bullpen making history 38 innings without an earned run, that is huge. Yeah, it is uh, It is really uh, tremendous to think this goes back double-digit games uh, and the fact that no matter who Ross calls out of there, whether he was known to baseball fans or even inside baseball people or not uh, six weeks ago, uh, this is uh, these guys are making history. They've already made history having the longest streak, such streak in Cub history. So that has been the uh, the, the most surprising and certainly uh, the um, one of the major reasons why the Cubs have the record they have. The other, I believe, is uh, the way um, this team has embraced being an underdog after being a championship caliber selection every year for the last five years. And an underdog, that's an interesting way to look at it, Bruce, because they, I, I agree with that sort of mentality. They have taken on that mindset, but it's not necessarily an underdog because that's where the public pitted them against everyone else this season. I think there's that mentality because of the way they viewed that's the way the front office and ownership pitted them against everyone else this season. This was supposed to be the season where it was going to be the, the last dance, if you will, the last kind of go around for this core. And everyone was waiting for the Cubs to declare what they were going to be and maybe for management to start the process of dismantling this core. And not so fast because they're, they're maybe too good to ignore. And that will be what, what is the next phase, I think, of the story for the Cubs, right? What will, how will management and ownership respond to how good this team is? David, I think that it's a really great way that you put it because uh, while you were saying that, just opened my my eyes and my mind again to the fact that uh, with all due respect to the front office of the Cubs, they've said to this group from the beginning, prove to us that you're worthy of keeping. Bottom line, we'll keep you, but you better show us a reason why. You better show us why you're worth $30 million a year, uh, Baez and Bryant and Rizzo, you better show us, Kimbrough, why we're paying you $16 million a year. You better show us if you want to stay around. And that, that you know, it, it hasn't been uh, over the head pounding of that, but that's been the message straight forth. Like, we'll keep this group. We'll compete. We're looking forward to uh, uh, getting younger, more controllable, but we're, we're open-minded to keeping this group together if they compete. And we're right at that juncture now, David. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll, we'll have to change our mind about exactly what we're going to do the rest of the season. Well, that's one can hope if you're a Cubs fan because I think it is a subtle message. It is the underlying statement about this season that was came from the top. And, Bruce, you had a really good story on 670thescore.com yesterday talking about just that very topic. And Jed Hoyer addressed it in a limited way. I think he talked to Russell Dorsey from the Sun-Times and this is going to be the ongoing thing. But the guys that you mentioned, let's look at Kimbrell. Really never been better as a Cub and certainly looking like the guy that has a Hall of Fame-worthy uh, career at the end of the pen for the Cubs. Baez, oh my goodness, we're never going to see a play like he made the other day, which reminded you how special, how special his talents really are and his instincts are. Chris Bryant, 
Can he do any more? He, can he play any other position? Can he catch? I mean, my goodness sakes, what do you want out of him? And Anthony Rizzo, he is out with the back injury. We'll see whether he plays or not today. But he has held up his end of the bargain as well, Bruce. So I think that the question's really been answered. Now, now, now how long can they keep this up? And, and how will management kind of interpret what has happened on the field? 312-644-6767. That's the number of text and to call inside the clubhouse and our question to you is cub fans do you want this team to add going toward the deadline do you want that one last move toward winning with this group or would you prefer two or three young players for the future coming back for your next run that is the question that we have for you cub fans Sox fans we'll come up with something creative for you well, you know, I think the Sox are in a different spot entirely, Bruce, and I think that's a very uh, fun team to watch because of all the talent and because they have been in first place, and that's where we expected them to be. They declared themselves World Series contenders, and that swagger defines who they are, and they have backed it up to a large degree. But you tell me this. There's been two sort of schools of thought with the White Sox, a team that is very easy to like and a manager who was very hard to hug, if you will. And I think that's the thing with the Sox team is that when we look at them, boy, you get excited. And for different reasons along the way, some fair, not all of them, but Tony LaRussa has been a lightning rod of criticism, which has maybe taken away from the celebration of everything going on on the field. Yeah, what's what's LaRussa's record now? 0-21? Is that the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I like it when you point that out, Bruce. I, I know that you keep me honest on that because it's a fair retort, but it is – some of it's legitimate, though. The criticism of Tony has not all been off the rails unfair. Let me ask you a question that I've been wanting to ask you, uh, and I, I failed to do this last week, but I think this might be a good time. What would the Chicago White Sox record be with Ricky Renteria as the manager today? Great question. I don't think it would be any worse than 29 and 20. I'm not sure it would be much better than 29 and 20. Um, it might be a game or two here or there. You've got to look at how you know Larusa owned some of the accountability and leaving a pitcher in too long. But this is a very good team, and talent typically prevails. So I would think they would still be in first place and give or take a couple games here or there. What do you think? Well, I think I think you're down about. 20 Fanny and backpats from uh, from last year. And I was a big R Ricky Renteria fan. Uh, I had a vote for manager of the year in our BBWAA voting. And I, I picked Ricky second, even though the, the White Sox slid miserably uh, the last 10 days of the season going into the playoffs. Um, I think uh, his the way he handled pitching uh, – People are scrutinizing Larusa the same way this year. I think uh, the idea of wanting a manager to be perfect in his choices and the results is certainly tremendously unrealistic, but that's the nature of it now. When you have good teams, your fans expect you to win every day, and they expect your choices to come out and uh, get their job done. It doesn't happen all the time. It's not that easy. But uh, I, I think that – I think I'm, I'm with you. I'm thinking that the record – one way or another would be just about the same it is, which goes back to the old adage and the question, do managers really matter that much 
when you have talent on a team. And and baseball players that I've talked to over the years, a lot of them have said they don't really matter all that much in most games. They they can't win you many games, but they can lose you some. Well, I think that's a good way to put at it, put it because I look at it with you know with a, t- a team like the White Sox. It's kind of like a manager's role is is that of uh, of, a, of a doctor's, right? First, do no harm. First, do no harm. Don't screw this up, Tony. Don't screw this up, whoever. If it's Rick Renteria, you've got a team supremely talented, and you don't want to push the wrong buttons at the wrong time to put them in harm's way if you can avoid it. So just let them play. Let the bad kids play. Is that the slogan now? So that's the <laughs> thing you want to embrace if you're Tony LaRusa, if you're the Sox, if you're Rick Hahn, who we have yet to hear from in a long time. But I think that you have the makings of a championship group here, and the manager's role is to not get in the way. I, the one thing that always stands out to me, whether there's trouble with a uh, team or a player or LaRusa, is every single day, and today, twice for the Chicago White Sox, you're sending a pitcher out there that can dominate the opposition. And that, if you're not a, if you're not a baseball fan of the Chicago White Sox, um, you know maybe you don't like that. But if you are, you have to enjoy the fact that uh, you know every day you can assume that uh, that starting pitcher for six, seven, or eight innings is likely to keep the opposition with three runs or less. And that is really fun to watch, a dominant staff like that. Uh, that is a dominant staff that we haven't seen on the south side probably since 2005 at the end of the year uh, when uh, they were throwing complete games in the playoffs <laughs> in the World Series. So this is, uh, this is really uh, something fun to watch as a baseball fan as well as a reporter. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to watch the White Sox every day throw out there a starter that is nails. And I'm, you're watching Dylan Cease uh, build into that type of guy with a gritty performance like the other day and uh, LaRusse and the staff uh, having him gut out a sixth inning uh, where he would have never been able to do that in 2020 or 2019. So the maturation of a, a pitcher with a super arm, th- those things are fun to watch. I, Bruce. How, yeah. how did that 2005 season end with all that great starting pitching for the White Sox? How did, I think, how did I that think they end? won a. Uh, okay. I think they won the World Series. You're right. You're, you're exactly right. The starting pitching rotation for the White Sox has been as good as as we just opened the show talking about how historically good the bullpen has been for the Cubs. That has been maybe the respective strengths of each team in town. And today the Sox go twice, and I think that. So did they dump uh, or they bump Keuchel to today? Bruce are going to have Keuchel and Lance Lynn going today. What a one-two combination for the White Sox, and um, they are getting a performance out of Carlos Rodon so far this season. He has been like their ace, even though he's penciled in as their fifth starter. So they have been consistent, and you know what? The other thing has been consistent is that Bruce, fair or not, the criticism we talked about of Tony Larusa has been there for them to deal with. He is a Hall of Fame manager who has been through this before. But this week earlier, he addressed the role that criticism has played and whether or not it is fair to criticize his players when people are scrutinizing his team. If you just go back to any place I've been, 
and any other manager or head coach, you know, you're going to get some heat. And if you don't like it, do some us for a living. And, and you just look in the mirror and, and just do the best you can. To me, the most irritating part about it is not, you know, whatever's being said about what me in any shape or form. The team is for two months now, almost two months, uh, competed well, overcome stuff that should be given credit. Uh, and I'm not sure what the ratio is, maybe 80, 20, 90, 10, 75, 20. you know, the smaller percent is the coaching staff that, that, that just is taking on the challenge, but the other one is the players. And to, I, I think it's a disservice to our players and the way they've competed. I, 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 I do it. It pains me, uh, that, uh, that I'm responsible for some of it in some way, uh, but can't help it. Uh, I just wish the club gets credit for what they're doing in there. What'd you think, Bruce? He's uh, as honest as he's been all the way through. Uh, anybody, anybody, one person who is a critic, any of them say he hasn't been honest about not only what he believes in, but his self-evaluation of what's going on. Certainly, if people think Tony La Russa is out of touch, all you have to do is listen to that soundbite. And that's one minute of consistent thought process that would resonate with anybody there, taking self-blame, taking uh, umbrance with the idea that anybody but the players are responsible for this record. I mean, uh, I think that's everything you want in a coach or a manager. It is. I mean, the accountability you can respect, and I think you respect the way he respects the game and his players. The respect is a word that comes up a lot when you're talking about Tony La Russa and the way that he manages and, and comports himself in terms of his role as a manager and, and preserving the state of baseball and these kind of things. But I do think, Bruce, it's somewhat misleading and overstating it to say that the criticism of the White Sox has trickled into being overly critical of his players. People love his team. I mean, give me the bat flip mentality, guys. Your mean Mercedes is as fun as a, as a, of a revelation as we have seen in Chicago baseball in a while. And nobody's complaining about the way that this team has performed. And I think maybe separate, isolated cases with individuals. Grandal's gotten some heat because of his contract and his performance level, defensively especially. But, Bruce, I don't look at the White Sox, and I'm, I'm there every morning, 5 to 9, Molly and Haw. We talk and I listen all day long. I don't think the White Sox players have been criticized. It's been so totally a polarizing manager, and everything has stemmed from Tony La Russa. Oh, and 21. He should have to wear it on his uniform. <laughs> every day, the clubhouse guys who are friends of mine, they should have to change his uni to, uh, to put the, the, the latest loss up there. Some days when they win, they can just leave it at 0-21, or you know, if they go on a long winning streak, it stays there. But uh, I, I think that would be good to wear on the back of his uni. Well, maybe Nike can work on that next time they introduce a new uniform because the ones they just <laughs> I, introduced yesterday, those are great you-looking uniforms. <laughs> those are slick. Those are cool. Those fit the persona that the White Sox want to have. Those are fun. I love polarizing people who are successful okay if this was a story about the fourth place white Sox with a sub 500 record and a manager that was polarizing i would i would be over there on that other side uh you know saying you know 
Larusa and the coaches are having this impact on them. This team is too good to be playing at this level. But in reality, if you look at his lineup every day, and you have Robert, and you have Jimenez, and now you have Eaton, and now you have Kopech, and uh, you have had uh, bumps and bruises on Abreu and others uh, that has limited this lineup. Anderson out for a while as well. Um, he has to he has to create a, a winning lineup every day with guys that weren't even mentioned to make the team, let alone be uh, spirit carriers on this team uh, on a daily basis. It's really interesting to watch him construct lineups, uh, trying to find you know center field help on a daily basis until yeah, uh, yeah. Adam Angle comes back. Uh, you know these are these are things that are pretty much ignored when teams are expected to win regardless of who they lose. It's, it's They're kind of ignored, Bruce, because when you bunt three times in a game, you don't need to bunt three times. It kind of takes away the attention from your lineup concerns. And that's only one isolated point, but there are issues that come up that you think, okay, you wonder why are the White Sox doing this here, doing this yeah. there. Look. They're not a great offense all. right now, David. Yeah, They're not. You're right. They yeah. have hit that sort of a, that kind of point in the season where you wonder if they're going to have to seek outside help to to supplement their lineup with the outfield. You wonder how quickly Adam Engel can get here from Charlotte to hit home runs here instead of uh, uh, for the Knights. But um, they're still in first place, Bruce. Still got a two-game lead as we sit here this morning. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> well, I just want you to. over 21 guy, though. What are we going to do about that? I'm just trying to keep you from going full negative on La Russa here, Bruce. That's why I'm here. Um, you know, you mentioned Michael Kopech. There's a lot to talk about with Michael Kopech, his weekend, his injury, how the White Sox have done with him and how they might do without him and how long he may be gone. We will talk about that when we come back. We also have great guests this morning. We have Ryan Tapera from the Cubs at 10 o'clock, Orioles manager Brandon Hyde at 1030, former Cubs uh, first base coach, he's w- going to join us. And lots more, 312-644-6767. Let us know what you think. We are here till 11 inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Well, he drove home to go to attend this, uh, you know, unfortunate uh, occurrence and uh, talked to him before he left. You know, he's driving with his two big dogs, so he's in good company. And it's, it's uh, you know, they're waiting to see. You know, you got to give it 24, 48 hours to see. Uh, we got our fingers crossed that it's not, you know, something that's going to last very long, but today is the day after. So 
I haven't heard yet. Um, and we probably don't expect to know anything more till tomorrow. Was there uh, imaging done? Yeah. Don't ask me what, how to explain it. You can ask the doctors, but it, I know it was it was something that uh, gives gives us some optimistic uh, belief that it's it's going to be something we can take care of. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score. I'm David Hall with Bruce Vine until eleven o'clock this morning. That was the voice of Tony Larusa talking about Michael Kopech and his injured hamstring. And then Michael Kopech was placed on bereavement leave by the White Ox for a, a death in the family. And he drove back to Texas, Bruce, and you were on the Zoom call with Tony LaRussa and asked him that question. And how dare you? Don't you know Tony's a lawyer, not a doctor? So I don't know what you were hoping to get from Tony, Bruce. But uh, in all seriousness, where is this headed? And, and how surprised were you that the White Sox um, did not – reveal or share or possibly know more information when it comes to Michael Kopech's injured hamstring? I think it's because uh, it's Michael Kopech. And uh, Michael, the, the White Sox were aware that uh, this bereavement um, uh, situation was, was occurring. Michael uh, let them know that there was uh, this unfortunate cir- circumstance occurring back home in Texas and he'd have to leave. <clears throat> the... Uh, Leg in, the leg injury uh, just convoluted everything to the point where, okay, he fell down on the mound, uh, grabbed his leg. Uh, this is a guy that's having one of the great seasons for a young relief pitcher uh, in a long time. Tremendous positivity around him. But he's hurt, and then all of a sudden he's getting in a car with two dogs and driving uh, 12 or 14 hours to Texas. So it's a, uh, you know, it's an interesting story uh, because it's Michael Kopech. Uh, Michael has uh, had some ups and downs uh, often on the field throughout his uh, very young career. He's a really fine young man and a, a great guy to deal with. Uh, but uh, there is a little bit of a lightning rod situation when it comes to Michael Kopech. Well, I think what it is, Bruce, is that when you're talking about an arm that elite and a pitcher that impactful, everything about his usage has been defined down to the last detail, right? How many innings do you want to use him this week? How many pitches can he throw today? Everything has been planned out with meticulously. And I think that's what's surprising about this is that, okay, nobody can foresee, God forbid, you know, a death in the family or, or a personal crisis that as somebody these guys are human beings too and everyone i think respects that about michael kopech or whoever it is on on your favorite team but then when you see him injured to the extent that he was where he fell on the mound and everybody saw him limp off into the clubhouse and the dugout and you worried and so now this this guy who you have put such care into evaluating and planning every single phase of his recovery and he has been lights out so now he has this death in the family, something you can't plan or anticipate. And now he's going to like, okay, he's going to drive to Texas with a bad hammy. With two dogs, he's going to have at least have some comfort along the way. And we don't really know how bad this could they, be. They were there to share the driving, David. <laughs> well, I, I have a couple dogs too, Bruce. But, you know, I, 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 who's going to hold the ice pack? <laughs> Which one of those on the paw? It's not the best way to treat a sore hamstring 
it, it doesn't really bode well if you have such vague information about the return of Michael Kopech. If he needs more time to grieve, everybody grieves at their own pace. We understand and respect that. We're talking about healing of an injury. That's what I wonder about more because in the context of this season, that's what that's what you don't know. Yeah, the optics, uh, you know, are, are different when it comes to Michael and maybe unfairly so, because like I said, you, you can't find a, a nicer young man to deal with. You can't find a guy that's worked any harder than he has at his trade to come back after two years to be uh, this level of baseball athlete. It's a great story. It really is. I mean, that he's uh, pushing the envelope now, to making the White Sox try to decide between starter, uh, opener, uh, you know, reliever, uh, all things that he could be very good at and the fact that he hasn't pitched in two years. So uh, anything that happens with him is, you know, it's it's front page news because it's Michael Kopech. And, you know, there, there has been some drama in his career with uh, personal issues that uh, have come up and it's unfortunate. Uh, we try not to talk about things like that because they're not relevant, but it's, it's a modern day and age and those things uh, just show up from time to time. I, I just... I just hope the, 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 the guy is okay and that he can get back to pitching for the Chicago White Sox next week. He's not going to pitch in the doubleheader coming up here in a couple of days. Uh, we're not, we don't think he's going to pitch Wednesday, but uh, Tony Larissa said yesterday he'll be back with the team Sunday and uh, be able to most likely, uh, while the test workout, go with the team and uh, continue to rehab. Well, if that's the case, that would be a huge surprise given his reaction to the injury. And given the way that it played out publicly, I, I, I hope you're right. And I hope that's the case. I think every Sox fan does. But that would be, that would be something uh, somewhat of a surprise. Let me ask you this, Bruce. This again, you know, we are limited. You, as you know this, you're on every Zoom conference, but you, nobody's in the clubhouse. Nobody's around the team like we used to be around the team. Is this also a product of that disconnect between the, you know, the coverage of the team and the players and the coaches and maybe even other personnel that you might be able to ordinarily get more clear information? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think uh, the White Sox front office is uh, tremendously transparent. So I think when you have a question for them and you have certain relationships, I think reporters can uh, get down to the nitty gritty. They're, uh, you know, they deal with each individual. The way I'll answer that is they de deal with each individual differently. Same set of rules, but they, they deal with them differently. And uh, they know uh, they have sensitivity toward each player and how they have to be dealt with. And in Michael's case, it's a, it's a special situation. Uh, if he says he needs to get in the car and drive uh, to Texas, he's getting in the car and driving to Texas, and he's going to have the, the White Sox patting him on the back. Uh, even though a couple of those fingers are crossed, you know, uh, <laughs> hoping the trip is a successful one up and back. So I think that that's the okay. fair way to describe the situation. Fair enough. And let's hope the best for Michael Kopech. He has been he's been terrific on the mound for the White Sox. And you'd like to see somebody like that have the success. So two other bullpen arms that we talk about coming back from injuries, Ryan Burr was promoted this week and he's dealt with his issues. And then Jace Fry is now down at Charlotte. Bruce gives the Sox a uh, left-handed option down the road. What's realistic in terms of expectations for those two specifically in a bullpen that has been, I don't want to say 
terribly disappointing, but when you come into the season billing yourself as the best bullpen in baseball, they have not been that, and they've fallen short, so maybe some of these reinforcements will be welcome additions. Well, you got one today already. A 27th man called up is Zach Birdie for the uh, doubleheader today. So there's another big arm that's uh, on the cusp for, for the Chicago White Sox. I think they feel um, not cocky about what they have pitching-wise down uh, at AAA, uh, but I think they're very confident that they have really good alternatives if injuries occur for this team. And I think it's either in the bullpen, either injury or attrition, or the idea that um, uh, somebody gets hurt, which is inevitable during a 162-game season that some of the pitchers are going to get hurt along the way. It just happens. And uh, I think the White Sox feel there's they're fortified as well as just about any team uh, bringing some of these guys up. Okay, so if you're fortified as well as any team with young arms in your system and you are a team that needs some oomph offensively mm-hmm. and we're getting into June soon, now if you're Rick Hahn, do you dangle some of those parts, those, those the, the, the arms that fortify your system so well? Do you use those as ammunition to go into trade conversations and say, okay, we're willing to part with somebody like Jonathan Stever or someone else that we haven't mentioned yet because, you know what, you're in it to win it now. This has got to be a win or else mandate in 2021 because you can't count on anything in 2022. Batting second, playing center field for your Miami Marlins. Starling Marte back in the lineup uh, as of yesterday. That, that to me is the is the guy for the Chicago White Sox, like seasoned pro, outstanding hitter, very good defender. I think one more year left on a contract, I believe. Um, that I think they have to go there. I, I, the, the, the Sox players, to their credit, you know uh, Hamilton and and Mendick going to the outfield. Uh, you know there should be some medals sent around for. Uh, valor of what they've been able to go out there and accomplish and, and keep uh, the team competitive, help win games. But you're going to need that everyday center fielder. I yep. mean, there's there's no getting around it. And to me, uh, Marte is the the top guy that you're going to have to look at. If he can stay healthy, again, this is a guy with tremendous ability, home run power, uh, 300 hitting ability, uh, gold glove caliber center fielder. Uh, has to be able to stay on the field. So if if he can if he's deemed healthy and the White Sox can find the right matchup, I think that's the type of trade you make. I don't think the Miami people, uh, Kim Ng, the new general manager over there, uh, feels that uh, they are ready to win a World Series yet. So from that perspective, uh, that we saw they're starting to build a fine pitching staff. They're short on um, some hitting. Um, you, you trade the veteran, you get maybe maybe a hitter or two back from the White Sox organization uh, that they like. Um, and Marte's he's under contract through 2022, so it would be more than just a rental. Might be more expensive yep. because of that, but he might be worth it as well but for reasons that you point out. That not, that's, that's not a bad idea, Bruce. Not a bad a trade ship to uh, move out if your guys are deemed healthy uh, next spring either. Absolutely. You must have had your coffee this morning. That's great. That's a good idea. I like it. And speaking <laughs> of coffee, you also had an interesting conversation with David Ross yesterday about uh, how, how much coffee he had in the morning. I'd love the exchange. We're going to hear all of it next because you know what? It's time 
It's time for some chin music here on Inside the Clubhouse. When we come back, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. High and inside. For some chin music. Hey, Aunt, how about a warning? Sure. Watch out you don't get killed. <laughs> because sometimes in baseball, you've got to send a strong message, especially when someone has it coming. Each Saturday, David and Bruce come in high and tight with a response to something that deserves one, like this. Um, how interested am, am I in Russ's story? Extremely. I can't wait to read it. Um... Yeah, I'm interested in all you guys' uh, stuff. Honestly, things are positive in the clubhouse. We're winning baseball games. That's what we're supposed to do. So um, we're going to try to try to keep doing that. I don't know where else to go with this conversation, to be honest with you, Bruce. Okay. No coffee today? <laughs> I'm being grumpy. I don't, maybe I need another cup. Maybe I need another cup, buddy. I'm sorry. Thanks, Rossi. Appreciate you it. Have a great day. Let me go get a cup of coffee, Bruce. <laughs> So that was pregame uh, yesterday, correct, Bruce? And then you and Rossi uh, kept up the little uh, tete-a-tete uh, postgame. We have anything else for Rossi? Okay, thanks, Rossi. Appreciate it. Bruce, I had my second cup of coffee. You didn't ask any questions. <laughs> <laughs> that was David Ross giving you a little chin music, Bruce, uh, high and tight, and I know you can take it. You're going to stay in the box there next time, but uh, that was fun. And reflective of just um, how yeah, and, uh, the uh, rapport between you guys back is pretty in the day cool. when, when, when Tony LaRusso and I were young, that, that would be called giving somebody the business. Um, <laughs> that, that term hasn't been used since the 60s, I'm sure. But in reality, it's, it, it does set up our conversation with the fact that um, the pressure on managers the day and night games and uh, mm -hmm. now the new 162 game season change from last year's 60 game season is is um, impactful is uh, is impactful on coaches and managers as they are on players our concentration has been david just talking about how this is on players and getting used to this schedule again but uh, think about managers and in the case of david ross Never having uh, managed a 162-game season. Last year was, uh, you know, That's the true. beginning of that career. So uh, that that in itself leads to, you know, getting used to the fact that, dude, you're you played a third of the season. You got 108 games left. You know, like, you know, you didn't get your coffee today, or you didn't get your sleep last night. That's just it's just part of this uh, very so difficult job. What it was the context of that, Bruce? Clarify that a little bit more because you came in and you walked It was a morning the, the Zoom. So okay. we, we've, uh, we've kidded around with some of the managers, including David, about, you know, Zooms early in the morning before some of these games after teams like, for instance, like the White Sox are in a, uh, a, a, a tremendously long uh, stretch, right? I think they're, they're playing, uh, uh, you know, something like, 27 and 28 days and the Cubs have had stretches like that and uh, you know look at the Cubs schedule in uh, June they put uh, a series in St. Louis and they go to California they come back they play a series in New York come home and then go to California again 
you know, two trips to California in uh, two and a half weeks. So just the, the body clock, uh, getting used to this for managers and coaches as well as players. Of course they don't play. We know that. But they got to be as sharp as sharp can be on a daily basis to keep up with all the uh, data and all the uh, so, injuries and all the situations that occur on a daily basis in Major League Baseball. So the Cubs are in the midst of playing five straight day games, to your point, and that takes an adjustment because I would think, by and large, Bruce, as a rule, baseball guys, managers, lifers like Rossi aren't necessarily morning people. Is that fair to say? They're not exactly guys. They like the yeah, night Yeah, plus, uh, you know, they get dumb questions from uh, myself and uh, occasionally well, others, but mostly from second. me. You that know, to start, to start the Zoom, you know, timing is everything, David. First question out. I'm not a rookie reporter. First question out, pretty early in the morning, and it's like um, I'm asking him questions about whether Jed Hoyer uh, will be adding to this team or not uh, going up to the well, Can I critique deadline. you for a second? Can, can I give you can sure. I give my, my, my opinion here? So yeah, of course. You, you did ask big picture about the the idea of what we talked about and what you wrote about it was like all right what jed what is jed hoyer gonna think how's ownership gonna respond the cubs are actually pretty good but you asked rossi to read a story in the newspaper nobody who's ever been no, on a payroll i didn't i did not what i did you? say was what i did say is that uh russ dorsey in the sun times had a really nice story yes from uh pittsburgh having talked to Chad Hoyer about the fact that he his eyes are now more open and he may need to add to this team rather than think about going the other way. What are your thoughts about it? So I didn't ask him to read Russell Dorsey's story. But, but Bruce, I was only doing... David, Yes. let me finish, okay? Okay, all right, sorry. I was giving credit to a colleague who wrote a nice story, okay? And yes. it was a story that I wrote off of yesterday as well, and I needed information to fill in that story about what the manager thought about how his team's playing and whether additions or not would be uh, okay. So you don't like the, the question either? Okay. No, 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 know, no, 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 get, no. Get some I, coffee. I, go go I ahead. Like, I need another cup of coffee. Believe me, Bruce. At least I got to sleep in today. But look, I like the question. I thought the story and the topic was, was relevant and the way to go. My experience, and you, you dwarf my experience, but my experience is that any time that you reference a media report, publication, broadcast to somebody who is Filled employed by a professional David. sports team, they're going to dismiss it out of hand because we are, the, we are us, they are them. And us versus them, I don't take, typically... I don't take credit for other people's work. I don't want you to do that, but no, it was fun. And I like, I like the rapport you and Rossi have developed, but that goes back to when he played. And I think you're, you yeah, make a really good point. Yeah, of course. And it does seem like he's been here longer than, than he has, Bruce. You know, when you say that he's not even managed an entire full season, you're like, wait a second, is that, could that, that's right. Yeah. And, and look, um, having fun with people that we haven't been able to see for 14 months in person and lightening yeah. the moment. That's all. That's all good. I, you know, good. I, I, I can't think of anything bad about it. And you're right. Luckily, I have a good rapport with David. We can uh, we can bounce each other around a little bit and have some fun and and change and lighten the moment. It, it's it's all good, I think. And it all it's all rooted in respect. And I think you respect him. He respects you. And you you both respect the jobs 
that you each do. And, and Bruce, to a larger point and, and more serious, but I think that David Ross is equipped because he is a little bit edgy, but he's also got that affability to him. He's equipped to handle what comes with being the manager of the Chicago Cubs. That criticism that Tony La Russa referenced, that is going to be part of the job. David Ross is equipped, I think, with his personality to deal with that part of the job. I think you, you just made the best point of the whole segment, honestly, because of the fact that um, here is a guy that you explained uh, wonderfully can uh, goof around on one end and be really tough and strong on a point on the other. And he can not only have to do that with media people, which is you know a smaller part of the job, but he can do it with his own players. And he does it with his own players. He can have that hard, hard conversation with Javier Baez in his uh, – in his office, and then 10 minutes later be having fun with him, uh, you know, while uh, getting a, a Diet Coke and, a you know, a donut or something like that out in the eating area. This is a guy that is really, um, to me, born to manage a Major League Baseball team, and I think he's going to be successful here in Chicago. Bruce, why do you think he's done such a good job picking the right bullpen arm at the right time of course, they have made him look smart. 34 scoreless innings will do that. But have you been surprised at how consistently he has it's, uh, you know, pushed the right button? Um, it's, uh, it was out of necessity. You know, uh, there was, you know, they were using pitchers at an all-time rate out of the bullpen because the starting staff wasn't getting the job done at the beginning of the year. They're all, they're all given three and four innings. Everybody was on record paces to throw innings out of the bullpen. They've gone through a, a ton of bullpen guys till they got to this group. And, uh, you know, three or four of these uh, really good guys were in the minor leagues to start the season. So from, from all of that, uh, it's been experimental. And uh, you give the Cub organization a lot of credit for some of those young guys uh, like Steele and Thompson that have come up and shown to be not only hard throwers, which we all love, but strike throwers. And, and that's been the key to that, them meshing in with some of these other veterans. So hopefully we're going to talk to Ryan Tapura in yeah. the 10, 10 o'clock hour. We're also going to talk to, uh, uh, to Brandon Hyde, the manager of the Baltimore Orioles, and uh, your calls at 312-644-6767. What would you like to add to that, David? Well, I, I stand corrected, 38 scoreless innings, and that is the sixth longest streak for a bullpen that we have seen in Major League Baseball. It spans 12 games, Bruce. And Ryan Tapera, we hope to connect with. But this has been a fun bullpen to watch develop. We, Tommy Hadovy deserves a lot of credit, as well as some other guys. And we will talk Cubs bullpen. We'll talk Sox rotation. We'll talk a lot of baseball. we still got another hour to go. It is flying yeah, by. I'm getting a second cup of coffee, David, right now. Please do, Bruce, because I don't want you to be a little <laughs> cranky. You jumped on me pretty good there, but I deserved it. I know. We'll be back. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 